those of you that were here last week, you will know that we started off talking about the fact. If you were not here, I'd recommend you going and listening to it. Uh, But for those of you that were here, you know we started off talking about the fact that just because it is a new year and a new season, that doesn't automatically make things new. How many of you have lived through a year that you didn't make a lot of changes in, right? You start off the year strong, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And then you get through the year, and we read the passage in Revelation 21 and 5 that says, He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So last week we said instead of putting our faith in four numbers, 2017, we're going to put our faith in the right name, the name of Jesus Because he is the only one that makes things new. And we made a commitment. I know I did, and many of you did last week. Made a commitment that we're going to start right there. Before we make any goals, before we list our resolutions, before we say the things we want to change or we want to stop or start doing, we're going to start with Jesus. We're going to put him first. We're going to make the focus all about him. There's a reason he's on the throne. He wants to be elevated. He wants to be the center of our attention. And so we want to make everything about Jesus. And while I said last week that just because it's a new season, that doesn't make everything new, I feel like I want to come back and and reiterate something to you. God does work in seasons. So I want you to understand that clearly. God works in seasons. He's always been that kind of God that he, he works and does certain things in certain seasons. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I would recommend you to read that in many translations and also to master it. Get into the Greek and the Hebrew of it. It's an amazing passage of scripture. Guess this is what you get when you leave today. Isn't that awesome? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is a principle, just one verse, and it says this. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Everybody say a time for every purpose. Now, I'll come back one day and I'll teach on that scripture and how we normally flip-flop it. We always say there's a purpose for every time. But the scripture doesn't say that. It says there is a time for every purpose. We say that we're like, we're going through a tough time. We're like, oh, there's got to be a purpose. There's got to be a purpose for this time. God doesn't work that way. God sees the purpose first and says, this purpose is so important to me that I'm going to devote an entire season to it. Those of you ever been through a bad season in your life? I'm going to tell you right now, there was a purpose in that and God devoted that season to that purpose. Sometimes we make the, per- the season last longer because we get frustrated and try to do our own thing and try to work it out. I was reading about Abraham today and how God promised him he was going to have a son, but he and his wife got, got frustrated and got impatient, and so he goes and has relations with someone else, and that's why we have wars all over the world right now because of that one moment. Look at me. Don't get frustrated during your season. There is a purpose for it. That should have been an amen right there. That was a good amen moment. Come on, you ameners know when to amen. Let's go. There is a purpose. So here's what I want want you to understand. 2016 had a purpose to it. 
There were purposes in 2016 that God wanted to reveal. However, there are purposes in 2017 that could not be revealed until 2017. So there is nothing wrong with you having hope, with you having some faith, with you having, man, this is going to be a new year and a new season. You're right. God has set some things aside that are going to be revealed this year. I believe that 2017 is going to be a year for new purposes for some of you. I believe with all of my heart, and you've said this, you've heard me say this a couple of times. I believe that this is going to be an incredible year. I believe we're going to get to the end of 2017 and we're going to look back in awe at what God has done. How many of you receive that? Even if you don't believe it, you'd be like, yeah, I'll take it. Maybe it'll happen. My mission here today, my mission here today is to encourage every single one of us to dedicate ourselves to fulfilling the purpose that God has for us in this season. My mission today is to encourage every single one of us to dedicate ourselves to the purpose that God has for us in this season. I read this at our last all-in night. When you hear about us talking about all-in night, you ought to come because they're amazing nights. We're going to be having one actually January 29th. It's going to be a worship night. Go ahead and put that on your calendar. It's going to be a wonderful time. Sunday at 5.30 p.m. January 29th. But I read this at our last all-in night. Bring it on the screen, if you will. Joshua chapter 3 and 5. Joshua told the people, this is right before they were getting ready to cross over Jordan. The Jordan is about to dry up. They're going to walk across on dry ground. They're about to see Jericho with its fortified walls just crumble and disappear into the earth. That's what's about to happen. And here's what Joshua says to them. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. When I read this at All In Night, I read it because I felt it. I had something else planned to speak. Kristen could tell you that. And I wiped it all away and spoke on this passage because I feel this more than I've ever felt in my 30 years of ministry, that this is going to be a season that God is going to do amazing things among us. One translation says, consecrate yourself because tomorrow God will do wonders among you. This is what God wants to do. You look at every great move of God, he always does it with wonders happening. Miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance, salvation. So I want you to make sure you're getting your faith ready for that. Let your faith begin to rise and get ready for God to do great things among you. How many want that in your life? Amazing things, wonders. You want children saved, right? You want to walk in freedom, amen? God wants to do wonders among us. But notice the prerequisite to that. Joshua 3 and 5. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow God will do wonders among you. Everybody say consecrate. Those of you that were raised in church, when I use the word consecrate, you have all these images that go through your mind. You probably have these feelings that go through your heart and through your soul. Well, I want to dive into that word for just a moment, consecrate. The word consecration in the original Hebrew means this. Casey's going to bring it up for us. Separation of persons, utensils, buildings, or places from everyday secular uses for exclusive dedication to the holy 
are sacred use. Consecration means you take it out of the normal. You pull it out of your everyday and you set it aside for God's purposes. The translation goes on to say to be hallowed or to be holy. And then it says to be set apart. Hallowed, holy, set apart. Set aside for God's use. Listen to me. God places abilities and talents in every single one of us. You have your strengths. You have the things that you're good at. Some of you, it's your personality. For some of us, it's our looks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some of you, it's your looks. That's what I meant to say. It's your humor. It's your ability. It's your smarts. It's our ability to... To work on things. It's our, you get it, right? God places that in our DNA. And he says, I'm going to put this in you. And you and I have two choices. We either use them for God or we use them for ourselves. We either consecrate them to him or we use them for our own purposes. The word consecration means not using it for yourself. If you're taking notes, write that down. Consecration means not using it for yourself. Taking your strengths, taking your talents, taking your abilities, and saying, I am setting these aside for God's purposes. One of the translations, one of the portions of the translations that I had never read before, and I, I, I told, when I read it, I told Kristen, this is incredible. Look at this. It means this. Forfeited to the sanctuary. So the word consecration means you forfeit it to the sanctuary. Those of you that are sports folks, you know forfeit's a bad word, isn't it? We don't want to forfeit nothing. We want to show up, broken legs, missing people. We ain't forfeiting, no. We're going to play through this thing. Forfeiting means repossession. You have to give up your car. You got to give up your house. You got to surrender. You got to forfeit. That's not something we do. We don't forfeit anything. We go down with a fight. But the scripture says consecration is forfeiting it to the sanctuary. It's giving it up for God's purposes. Look at me. Every one of us have used our gifts, our strengths, our talents, and our abilities to open doors that we want to open. We know how to maneuver. We know how to manipulate. Yeah. We know how to do it. But consecration is saying, I'm not going to use that to fulfill my own agenda. I'm not going to use that to gratify myself. I'm going to forfeit it for the use of God. I'm going to tell you, if you and I can grab that revelation right there, you're going to see your marriages get better. You're going to see your finances get better. Your life get better. Because instead of you and I using what we have to open up the doors and open up the windows, we're going to find if we will forfeit them over to God that He's going to be the one that opens up the doors and He opens the windows. Matthew says, if you will seek first God and His kingdom, then all of these other things will be added to you. So look, take your personality and use it to crack open the window and break into some place, into a season you weren't even supposed to be in. Do that. 
are, are use your giftings or your abilities to kick open a door, to get into a place that God didn't even want you to be in. Am I speaking to anybody but myself right now? Or you can say, Lord, I'm going to forfeit over my passions, my desires, my ambition to you, and I'm going to watch you open up doors. And the scripture says in Isaiah 22, 22, that when God opens a door, nobody can shut it. And when God shuts a door, nobody can open it. You know what this does? This does it away with our manipulation. Now, look, when I say manipulation, don't think about somebody else. Because just like that, you thought about an in-law or you thought about a parent or you thought about a co-worker. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I know how to look at Kristen to manipulate her. I know what to say to her to manipulate her emotions. We've been married for 25 years almost. I know what to do. But God convicts me about those things. You and I can get our way if we want to. We manipulate. Maybe a better word to manipulate is maneuver. Is that a better word? You like that? We maneuver things to fit and work for us. But this kind of thought process does away with manipulation. It does away with opportunistic thinking. Come on, we're opportunistic people. We're always looking for an edge. We're looking for something we can do to help us get ahead. That's not what God has called us to do. He doesn't want us to work for us to get ahead. He wants us to work to get his kingdom ahead. And if we'll focus on his kingdom, his kingdom's going to focus on us. Consecration is really about not using it for our purpose, but dedicating and committing it to the Lord, our strengths, our talents, our plans. You know, as I was studying this, I realized that consecration, I've always thought consecration was for God. Oh, that's, I'm doing that for you, God. And I very clearly felt the Holy Spirit say, this ain't for me. Consecration is for you, boy. Because I got things that I want to see happen in your life. But as long as you're doing things selfishly, as long as you're doing things to benefit you, I'm hands off. I can't even be close to that. I can't come close to sin. I can't come close to selfish ambition. God and, God and those things don't connect. So God says, I want you to consecrate, not for me, but for you, son, because I have great things in your life. I want to see you do amazing things. I want to see you walk in abundance. That's why I want you to consecrate it. Because when you give it up and you say, I'm taking my hands off of it. I'm going to quit trying to figure this thing out. But I'm going to be faithful to focusing on you. Then you're going to see God begin to open up incredible doors in our life. The focus. As we moved into this new year, I know that or raise your hand if you have said, I'm going to stop doing some stuff this year. Raise your hand. How, many, how are you going to start doing some stuff? Maybe just both hands up high, everybody. Lord, we just give it to you right now. I just want to be where you are. Look at this passage in Hebrews chapter 1. Paul has been talking about, about this great, these great people of the faith. And he goes, since we have this big crowd of witnesses, here's what I want you to do. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. How many want to do that? How many, want, how many got a weight you need to let go of? How many got a sin you need to let go of? Because some things are sins. 
You know they're wrong, but some of it just wait. You know, it's just a wait. So we all got them. How do we do that? I think this is how do I want to know how to do it, right? Because I've been trying for 47 years. Here's how you do it. The very next verse. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He doesn't say, I want you to get rid of your weights and your sins, and then we can run together. He said, no, the way we run together is focus on me, and then suddenly you'll see your weights and your sins start falling behind. We've had it mixed up. We've tried to get rid of weights and try to get rid of sins and addictions and vices before we can come close to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, the only way you get rid of addictions and weights and vices is to come close to me, to focus on me, turn your attention to me. Everybody say this with me, all eyes on Jesus. Come on, that'd be a good slogan for this year, wouldn't it? All eyes on Jesus. And when you focus on him, you're going to find yourself wanting to stop doing certain things. When you focus on him, you're going to find yourself wanting to start doing some things. So we've got it mixed up. We think that stop doing things to be holy or start doing things to be holy. But how many know that only his blood makes us holy? Only his body and and and. And death and burial and resurrection is what makes us holy. We don't stop doing things to be holy. We stop doing things because he he has already made us holy. We don't start doing things so we can be holy. We, We do these things because he's already called us to be holy. Look at your neighbor and say, you're holy. Come on, look at him and say, you're blameless. And I know what you did yesterday. Look at me. Do you know how that would change our life if we would just see that? We're blameless in his sight. We're holy in his sight. We're set free in his sight. But we can't see that because we're still trying to figure it all out. Through his eyes, he sees everything through the blood. He sees everything through that. We have already been justified. We've already been set free. All we've got to do is focus on him and watch him start doing the great things in our life. Consecration. What is that thing that hinders you? What is that thing? Let me backtrack before we get to that. What is the one thing you can't give to him completely? What is that? Is it your future? Is it your finance? Is it your relationship? What is that? That's probably what God's asking for. Abraham, as April said, give your son. What? Take your one and only son. Well, God, how could you ask me to do that? Because that's what I'm going to end up doing. That's how we do things. You give your best. That one thing that you feel like you can't live without is probably the one thing God is asking you to consecrate. What is that one thing? Or what is that thing that hinders you? You know what I mean? That one thing that you say, man, if I could just, if I could just get rid of that, I could run like the wind. What is it? Is it a sin? Is it that one vice that you just can't stop doing? Maybe it's something your parents did, passed down to you. You, can't, you just can't stop it. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's worry. What is it? Or maybe, as I said a moment ago, it's not a sin. 
but it's a weight. It's just, it's that thing you don't need. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, I could make this trip a carry-on. Why am I taking a big old luggage? Just, just let it go. Consecration means to lay it down, to set it apart, to pull away. I want to encourage you the next 21 days. As we as a church are focusing on this, you're not going to be doing it by yourself. I want us to concentrate on taking some things and laying them down. Taking some stuff, setting it apart, taking ourselves and pulling away a little bit. For some of you, that's going to be what you drink. For some of you, it's going to be what you eat. For some, it's going to be who you hang out with. For some, it's going to be what you scroll on, what you tap. What is it for you? But don't do it because you want to be holy and you want to be right. Do it because you already see yourself that way. Do it because you know that he has already called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And now we want to walk worthy of the calling. So as we enter this 21 days of devotion, we've been doing this since the very beginning of our church. Before we even launched, we were doing this, and we were in the basement of John Wesley United Methodist Church. We started 21 days of devotion. And I can tell you, it's one of the greatest things that you can do. It looks tough on this end, but I can tell you on the other end, it is absolutely astonishing what God does in your life. I want to encourage you during this 21 days of devotion to fast something. Last year when we talked about this, there were so many people in our church that had never fasted before. We had to explain what it was. and We have, uh, we have some resources for you. For those that don't know, it's, it's on our website, uh, thehillsnashville.com. 21 DOD, I think is what it is. 21 days of devotion. It's right there on the front page. You click on that and we got resources about fasting. But fasting really means this, to cover your mouth. That's what it means. It means just to cover your mouth. It means not to eat something that you want. Not to drink something that you want. Some folks are going to, they're going to fast a meal a day. Others are going to fast a certain thing. There are some folks that are going on a complete fast. They're not going to eat they're not going to eat food, just liquids. We're not asking you to do anything. We're not all doing the same thing. There are many people, and Chris and I did this last year, that every week we're doing something different. So one week is food. One week is something else. One week is social media. The next week is this. So I would encourage you to do that. Pray about what it is for you. But don't just fast, pray. If you fast without praying, then you're just going hungry. There needs to be some prayer attached to it. Jesus said these things don't happen without prayer and fasting. Matter of fact, I've found that fasting is what makes your prayer more powerful. Fasting and prayer. Many of us, many people in this room don't pray during the day. Start with five minutes. Start with seven minutes. Start with ten minutes. Set aside 15 minutes a day just for prayer. And then don't forget to read your Bible. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. I posted this last week. The majority of Christians have never read their Bible completely through. If we ask everyone to stand today that have not read your Bible through, you would be astonished at how many people would stand. 
And yet, this is what we're living by. Look, don't do it out of, oh, I got to do it or I'm going to hell. Do it because this is the bread of life. This is truth. This is what you need. And it's so easy. It's everywhere. There are countries right now that share pages of the Bible with each other. Churches that share a page. And then they switch it around. And we got it on, we've got 15 of these sitting around. We got it on our Bible apps. I'm going to tell you what I love to do because I, I process auditory and, uh, auditory and visual. <laughs> Had those backwards. Uh, process that way. I, I put that thing on my app and I hit play. And it'll read it to me. And then I read it as I go along. When you're in the car driving to work, just plug it in. Put on your Bluetooth and just listen to the Word of God. Get it in your heart. Fasting, prayer, Bible study, worship. There's one. You talk about consecration. Just set some time aside in the day that you turn off your other music and turn on some music that's going to turn your eyes toward God. Turn off NPR or turn off Fox Radio, whatever it is you do, and and get some worship. Make you a playlist and watch the atmosphere of your car start shifting. Come on, y'all still with me? I'm giving you some practical stuff today that's going to help you consecrate. Giving is one of the greatest ways to step into consecration because the focus is not on you. It's not about our greediness, but it's about Him. Serving, giving of yourself, giving of your time. And lastly, but not least, one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're consecrating is to be in godly fellowship with other people. Godly fellowship. As we get ready to launch gatherings our semester, I want to encourage you to get involved in a small group. There is nothing like that to have someone looking at you that you know knows what you're doing. To pray with you, to encourage you, to give you a pat on the rear end when you need it. One for encouragement and one for don't do that again. You know what I mean? What we need in our life, consecration.